Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point. What's up, everybody? So excited for today's guest. So I am your host, Chris Yano, and I have a co-host, and he is not in studio with us today. He is in our Charlotte office, and his name is Tall Paul Revin. Tall Paul, why don't you give him a nice little North Carolina howdy? <laughs> I don't know if I have a North Carolina accent, and I hope I never do. No offense to all my North Carolina, North Carolinian friends, but we are on the East Coast today, so I'm glad we're uh, I'm glad we're able to join you. And it's exciting because our guest today is like you know like a, a longtime friend, so it feels like family now at this point. So uh, excited to have James on and hear his story. Yeah, and James also being on the East Coast because he is in New York. Um, James Orsini. You might have never heard the name. If you've heard some of the podcasts, maybe you have heard James's name, but James has quite the professional background, but he's attached to this guy that some of you, if you have any entrepreneurial bone in your body, you've most likely heard of a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. And that's actually how we met James. Subsequently, fast forwarding to today, we actually have a partnership with the, uh, with the company that James is now president of. And I want to dig into a little bit of James's past and to help our listeners understand on this podcast is something that James has mastered is not only being able to think out of the box for businesses, but then understanding how to take these, these big ass ideas or these big plans you might have or something that seems crazy and then trying to make it work and actually be able to operationally execute those things and financially execute those things. And so anytime you've had to work with a, a Gary Vaynerchuk, if you know who he, if you do know who he is, um, he's full of, chock full of um, a lot of amazing ideas and a lot of these things that James was his CEO at Vayner, or COO at VaynerMedia and he had to catch a lot of those things and then turn them into actual business or even some some things didn't pan out some things you had to you probably had to shoot down but I want to give a, a good nice warm welcome to our guest who is the president of the Sasha Group and our proud partner at Rhino Strategic Solutions Mr. James Orsini. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so great to see uh, uh, see you doing this podcasting. I think it's so right for your business now, and uh, uh, you know I can't help but feel like uh, uh, a proud uh, contributor in some <laughs> small way to uh, the next phase of uh, of the Rhino world. So quickly before I get into it, how did you get the nickname Jimmy the Pencil? Uh, so funny. Well, you know it, it really came from two ways. One. Uh, um, most recently, because uh, you know, I had an accounting background. I, I, I'm a New York State CPA, uh, but really, it came from the fact that when I was uh, in high school and early college, I had a pencil-thin mustache that I would slide down, and I will send you a, a photo of it. We need pictures. We need proof. Of that. That's amazing. Yeah, and proof. I would sort of shave down like a Clark Gable kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, I just shared it with somebody last night because they were asking me. <laughs> You know, how did you get the Jimmy the Pencil? That is fantastic. 100% we got to do that. Paul grew out a mustache once, but it looked ridiculous. We'll share that one too. <laughs> it looked amazing, according yeah. to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she wasn't going to see it. It's like when you, you know, your wife's pregnant. She's like, no, 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 you don't look pregnant at all. But, you know, it's one of those deals. <laughs> we're, you got, we got to move forward from that. Okay, yeah. fine. We're moving on, moving on. So uh, one thing I want to want to share ahead of time too is the reason we felt it was so valuable having um, James on here, and, and again, thanks for your time because as we've learned, man, time is our, is one hundred percent your biggest asset, and so thanks. But I want to make sure that everyone knows the reason that James is going to bring so much value to you, listeners, is because a lot of the things that you're battling and you go through in business, he's been through and been through at many different levels of different sizes of companies and been successful with good outcomes and has a lot of good stories. And one thing that you said to me, James, early on when we were, when we were uh, together in the, in the Vayner Media office and, and when Gary was in, and we, or right before Gary had come in and, and met with us the first time, is you had said part of why he had brought you in, well, maybe, maybe the biggest thing to bring, for him bringing you in was to take some of these big plans he had and then turn them into reality. But the thing you said to me that resonated the most was 
It was to take all those years of experience and the, and the hurdles and the failures that have happened along the way and, and get those out of the way because you've done been through it. You knew what to expect and you had to overcome those things ahead of time. Yeah. So, yeah. His exact yeah, quote yeah. was, you made 25 years of mistakes that I don't want to make. So help me avoid the potholes to move faster. That was like the most appealing thing in the beginning that you said to me. I was like, absolutely. Because we were moving at lightning speed as a company and I wanted to bypass those mistakes so that way our customers would have the best outcome. And that's something that I believe that you've perfected and that you've proven time and time again. So I think those are the type of things I want to dig into that are going to help our listeners. So the cool thing about this is where I feel like it's come full circle is even though my man Jimmy the Pencil is a New York State CPA, ironically, they've got a three-generation family business that's in the plumbing industry. Isn't that right? It's three generations, right? Your grandpa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, my, my father, who was born in 1919, to just give you the perspective, I'm the youngest of four children, uh, his New Jersey State plumbing license is number 220. So just a oh uh, Yeah, we, uh, we come from a, a lineage of, uh, of plumbers. And so you didn't want to get into the plumbing, the plumbing business? Well, you know, it really only took one summer. Uh, I worked with my, my dad one summer, and, uh, you know, uh, we went to this big 12-family uh, um, uh, apartment house down in Newark that had a plug sore. And, uh, you know, he was kind of watching me work my way through this. And when we got back into the truck, he's like, all right, look, you're going to go to school, and your brother's going to take over the business. And I was like, okay. We're, that, 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 was the, that was the line of demarcation right there. <laughs> hey, listen. That could have been a, that was a blessing in disguise, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're both playing to our sweet spots right now. So, so what I wanted, that's great. So you, so you have, a, I mean, our, the majority of our customer base that's on, or our listeners on here too, is HVAC, plumbing, electrical roofing, the, the home services trades, a lot being heating and air conditioning and plumbing companies. So the good thing is, is you get it. You understand how that business works because you've been in it, you understand it. And because you have a, a marketing brain and a financial brain, you could realistically sit down and be like, okay, if I was to run my grandpa's business, or which is now your brother's business, what would I be doing? You could legit have solid conversations on helping blow that blow that up because you get it. You've been through it. Now, how you got there is what I want to talk about real quick is in, regard, in regards to your history because I don't want to blow past that because you have held a lot of amazing executive roles, C-level roles at companies that you've earned your way into. So if you would... Go ahead if you and go back and just kind of give us a little bit of, of the progression of James Orsini's job that's landed you to the president of Sasha Group today. Are you we, we go with that? Yeah, so it's uh, it's really a great little history. I mean, uh, um, when I was in high school and college, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make some money, and uh, I had great study habits. And my parents were like, "Look, we don't want to jeopardize that by having you, you know, go to work in Macy's." Uh, yeah. So my dad was like, what do you like to do? What do you like? And I said, I like cars. And he said, okay, we're going to build uh, garages with heat and hot water in our backyard and you're going to clean cars. Um, and that car cleaning business uh, sparked a little entrepreneurial flair in me. One, um, it gave me a taste of some really cool cars and I knew you know, I'd like to get the money someday to own some of those. Uh, two, it resulted in an entrepreneurial spirit that said, hey, wait a second, I could, I could move this thing. I could you know, uh, provide a personal pickup and delivery service. Uh, uh, my sister and brother-in-law owned a, a, a barber a barber shop in a, in a high-end area. Uh, I put business cards in there. I was getting doctors and lawyers who didn't have the time to bring their cars. So, you know, I was 18 years old and driving Ferrari 308 GTPs and whatnot, um, uh, which then led to being in college and uh, on an interview. Uh, with some of the larger accounting firms because I had majored in accounting. And my uh, back then, I wore a beeper, and the beeper went off. Oh, and yeah, the pager. The pager, exactly. And I, and I said, listen, I, I, I got to go. I got this doctor's car. I got to get it back. It says 911 right here on my pager. Yeah, he's like, you know what, James? He goes, that entrepreneurial spirit just got you a job. So uh, my first job was, uh, was at KPMG on Park Avenue in Manhattan. Um, and uh, it was great. And I had a client in the marketing space. And I said, uh, gee, you know, I could see myself here someday. This is a pretty cool environment. Like, uh, you know, uh, it, the, the people were, were dressed casually. Uh, they were uh, creative in doing what they were doing. They, they had these summer Fridays. I was like, yeah, I could find myself here someday. 
<laughs> so uh, I left KPMG. I went to work for Goldman Sachs uh, down on Wall Street because that's what you did in the 80s. Um, Smaller you know, group. If you were able to get there, you did. Um, and uh, uh, But I knew what I didn't want to do. Um, I didn't want to be on Wall Street after working there two years. And I got a call from a guy who said, hey, man, the Saatchi brothers just bought a single PR firm. They're going to create a worldwide company. Uh, if you join me, someday you'll be the CFO of that worldwide company. Uh, fast forward five years, we built the fifth largest public relations firm in the world. I was a global CFO. We're seeing uh, 31 offices in 26 countries before I was 30. Uh, and then from public relations, I went into branding. I was at Interbrand and then into general market advertising at Saatchi & Saatchi. Uh, I became the CEO of a small publicly traded mobile media company after that. <clears throat> and then um, uh, met Gary. Met Gary, I've been with him for the last uh, five years. Cito, right? James. Cito was uh, was the uh, uh, publicly traded uh, uh, mobile company. It still trades on the Nasdaq. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, give our listeners an idea of the kind of work you were doing at Saatchi and the scale of work and kind of the exposure you had at that that stage of the game. Yeah, so I was their chief operating officer. It was a billion dollar company. Uh, we had uh, more number one brands in our portfolio, forty to be exact, uh, more than any other agency at the time. Uh, I was working with big clients like uh, you know Toyota and Procter and Gamble and General Mills, J.C. Penney, uh, you know, big budgets. Um, uh, you know, it was a it was a it was a big company. Yeah. So, just a couple of small little companies that you've done work for, but I think that what you'll find is a lot of companies still run into the same problems regardless of size. It's just the you know, the size of the problem is bigger when you're a bigger company, but they, they're still the same roadblocks. They're still the operational woes that you run into. I mean, is it, do you think it's fair to say, like, even for some of these big, huge brands you have, that when you're a small company, obviously, when you're a small company, you have a lot of different things to figure out. You might still have operational things. You got to, you got to work through your financials. You're probably still watching cash flow, maybe closer than some of the bigger companies are. Maybe you're not worrying about branding as much because you just think I need customers. But do you think that, that there is still a lot of similarities um, that you've had to deal with. Like, let's say with Gary in these companies, trying new things to try and see if, if it works and they, and ultimately some, not everything works out. They, they fail. So little companies, I think, or companies that are just starting oftentimes I think are afraid to try new stuff. And I think it's because it's the fear of man, if this goes South, you know, I don't, I, if it goes south, it's, it could do the X to me or it could do Y to me. Instead of thinking like, but if it goes really, really good, it would do X and do Y for me. I think that fear overtakes people in small businesses. I've been through it. Um, I've been through it, but I've thankfully have been blessed with the super high risk level. And mm-hmm. I'm, I just believe I'm going to get it done. Now, I know that that's not normal. Like, our COO, Anna, who you've met, is the exact opposite of me in risk adverse. So sometimes it's good kind of having both both of those things because you can hopefully find like a happy medium. But the, yeah. one of the big things I want to take away from this is you've had to deal with it with this type of adversity for, I mean, you said 35-year career. I'm sure this has been the same thing for 35 years. Yeah, I think the interesting part is, one, uh, the learnings are in the failures. The learnings are in the failures, right? So you, you cannot be afraid to fail. What I love about uh, uh, Gary and his company, and, and now working with some of these smaller uh, client bases as we are at the Sasha Group, uh, is the speed at which they can make decisions and rebound from a failure. You know, you, you kind of teed me up nicely in that I have a very unique skill set in that I understand the operation, but, but I am an accountant by trade, so I know how to do it. <laughs> profitably um you know which is uh, our first year at with sasha we are a very profitable division as i told gary we would be okay now it doesn't mean we don't try new stuff and we, we don't pivot well but i think that um the, the larger companies it was hard to make decisions you know I, i'll give you an example of uh, uh Sachi, one of our biggest clients was general mills um uh, a few people realized that general mills has most cartoon characters with the tricks, uh, you know, rabbit and lucky charms, Charms. uh, more proprietary cartoon characters, second only to Disney and Nickelodeon. Well, guess what? My pantry is full of those characters. 
Well, there you go. And the sugar high that comes along with it. Yep. But generally, uh, I said uh, to my management, I felt we should have an animation studio. And they're like, why? So I tell them the reasons. And I was like, you know, you've been servicing this client for 40 years. And, you know, when it comes to Cheerios, you do the commercial. And when they go to the Honey Nubsy, they go somewhere else. Like, I think we should have an animation studio. So that decision, and I said, by the way, I'm going to build it profitably. Don't worry about it. I understand the finance side. Like, you're not going to lose any money. From day one, that decision took nine months to actualize in the whole. Um, and in our first year, I believe uh, we did about eight million in fees. So tick the box, hugely successful. Crushed. Now, in Gary's world, you know, when he makes a decision that he wants to build studios, you know, that decision came in. 90 seconds. It's like, hey, James, the fastest growing segment of advertising is video on social platforms. I know how the consumer consumes the content on the platform. Shouldn't I be doing the videos while they going to BBDO and Edelman? Uh, yeah, Gary, you should. Great, build me some studios. Okay, the decision was 90 seconds. Okay, now, <laughs> your point earlier about why he hired me, and I was like, great, Gary, let's not build them the way I did. We always at Sachi. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, we had creative and producers, and then we would ship it off to a production house. I think I could build the whole production house. And he said, great, because my vision is to eventually do my own over-the-top content like Hulu and Netflix. Let's do it. So that's, that's the bringing together the yin and yang. It's his vision, okay, married to some experiences that, that you know, I had had in the past. And now, as you saw, I think, you know, the guy did three Super Bowl commercials this year. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it was Baby Nut. And uh, what were the other two? Yeah, so it was Planters. Planters. It was, uh, Sabra Hummus, and, uh, and it was uh, the Hard Rock uh, Hotel down there. That was so cool. I saw some pictures of everybody in the conference rooms during that um, mm -hmm. that we're watching. That's pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. It, because it, the, yeah. the previous year, it was just the one Planters commercial. Yeah, well, look, just to do one Super Bowl commercial. I mean, I, I could tell you, you know, in that billion-dollar company that I just described to you, we never did three Super Bowl commercials for three different clients in the same year. <laughs> you know, we may have had two commercials for the same client running for Toyota. You know what I mean? But, uh, but that is a really, really big deal. So, yeah, huge. And so, clearly, it's not – James Orsini doing everything. You have a team of people that are executing tasks to, you know, to get these things done. And I know that um, at, at Vayner and even at Sasha Group, it's the culture is extremely important. The people are extremely important. And if I remember correct, it's the uh, isn't it the the um, HR side of the department, the, one of the biggest departments at Vayner? Is that correct? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, because Gary uh, um, over-indexes on empathy and uh, what he calls the honey empire, cares a lot about his people. So, uh, so the human resource uh, department uh, is one of his largest, uh, um, you know, uh, back office departments. Sure, because those are the people that are executing for your customers. So you want to take care of them. You want to pour into them. You want to continue to, to offer them education, you know, do things for them to make them better for your clients. And mm -hmm. empathy is something that um, we were just talking about on a previous podcast too, but it's something that I've also used in, in growing our company. It's because at the end of the day, I genuinely care, not just about getting customers, about taking care of customers, but I know to take care of them, I have to take good care of my employees and genuinely care about them too. And then in my partnerships, like with Sasha Group, I have to genuinely care about Sasha Group. Or my any of my partnerships is genuinely care. But I also understand I need to give my employees room to run. I need to right. give my employees room to explore, fail, learn, and come back from it because I know that the end result is going to be better. So you've managed much larger teams than I than I have. So what I wanted to ask is how do you encourage those employees to think outside the box for new ideas? Like, is there anything that you like say, Hey, here's a process on you're going to do this. I want you to go into a room and whiteboard for the next hour on doing X. Like what are some tips and tricks that you can, that you can give to help some of the guys listening to ours to say, okay, great. I have these technicians. I'm going to have them go into a room and figure out X. Do you have anything like that that you can share with us that was successful for you along the way? 
Yeah, so um, so it starts with uh, empowering your employees, right? So so I hire really smart people. I'm not afraid to hire people that are smarter than me. Uh, what do I bring? I bring wisdom and experience, and there is no substitute for that, right? Exactly. So today, uh, I told you I was I was sharing on a panel earlier this morning with 300 people in the room, and and the question uh, that came from the audience was why is it that um, uh, uh, activist uh, shareholders uh, are most hard on female CEOs with the question. And I said, okay, uh, who in this room has been the CEO of a publicly traded company? And nobody raised their hand. I said, exactly. So I'm the only guy with a voice here. And let me tell you, it's not just women. Activist shareholders attack every publicly traded company CEO. <laughs> it's why I know what I don't want to be when I grow up, and I don't want to be another publicly traded company CEO. Right? Okay? So, so that wisdom, that experience now just shuts down the room. I become the authoritative figure, and they're, you know, I'm sure people in that audience are smarter than me. So uh, empowering, hiring people smarter than you, but, but setting, setting that vision for execution, okay? Uh, I often say that, that uh, I was a decoder ring for Gary in that he would set this lofty vision, you know, and he does that for Sasha now. And I check in once a month to make sure that we're on par with his vision. And it, and it's okay. His vision does change and pivot. That's why he grows those explosive companies. Okay. I translate that into the 50 or so employees that are here at the Sasha group and say, here, here are our marching orders. Now let's let's move forward executing against this vision. Doesn't mean that you can't customize your approach to that, uh, you know, and bring uh, uh, Gary. Uh, oftentimes, jokes that he's a moldable dictator, right? So, you know, he's going to make the ultimate decision, but but you can have some say into that too. Yeah, I think I heard you say one time too. Is it was um, you tried. You give the, you empower them to have these, you know, to have to do these types of things to try and work through some of these things. But you try to keep the train on the tracks. But Gary says it's like the Japanese train where you want it hovering above, so it still goes like the bullet train. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was when he first introduced me. Uh, you know, I think we had 450 people at the time, and Gary stands up and he says, "Okay, I'm gonna." At the time, I was the chief integration officer. His brother. AJ was the chief operating officer. So he's like, look, I'm going to give you an, a title that's amorphous enough to have you play in wherever I need you to play, and you're not going to be threatening to anybody because nobody knows what a chief integration officer is. <laughs> so um, uh, when he introduced me, I said, yeah, so you know, I'm here to help keep the, tra the, the train on the tracks. And Gary's like, hold on, hold on, James. Um, you're here to help me hover above the track so I can move faster like the trains in Japan. And, you know, that was a defining moment right there. I mean, that spoke volumes to what our relationship was going to be like. You know, I'm not here to slow them down. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Right. Well, and, and something I, I, uh, I remember you saying, too, at one point that I wanted to touch on, go back to, is you kind of you have this mentality of leaders lead practitioner or a practitioner's practice right can you just elaborate you know on on that for me yeah you know um i i think the part and again it comes from experience right i i, I saw a lot of times uh and especially when i was uh, i was global cfo at this public relations company uh you know that was a global company and we would take uh great account people so people were running big pieces of business for sandos and whatnot um, uh, Novartis at the time, and and hey, great, he should be the CEO of that office. Uh, and uh, we would lose the client business and and wreck the office. Um, you know, we we just simply promoted a lot of people into leadership positions 
and and they were second baseman playing center field. They were just out of space. Um, I often say uh, I lead mostly because people choose to follow. Okay, I, I didn't ask to be the head usher in my church, but there's 30 ushers reporting to me. I didn't ask to be the chairman of a board that I was you know sitting on, but you know they just ponied up behind me. So uh, you know um, I, I think a lot of times the leaders need to lead by example. So that's another thing that I do here. I don't ask my employees to do anything I don't do myself. I'm the first guy to do my timesheets. I do all my expense reports. I show up on time, not late for meetings. I make the coffee if nobody's here in the morning. <laughs> I, I pull paper out of the freaking copier if it's stuck, okay? I'm leading by example. You know, you know, I learned this by having three kids, right? So I can't tell them to do one thing and then I'm doing another. Uh, so, you know, we, we follow uh, what it is that, that Gary shows. So he's empathetic to his employees and his, his clients, and uh, he's, he's a given person. Um, uh, you know, he, he certainly gets stuff done. He, he shares on social. So, you know, my, my social profile has elevated based on my time with, with him. You know, I've learned a ton in these hallways over the last five years, could, arguably more than I've learned in the last 15. Yeah, which <clears throat> combined it is what I mean. I think it's you just keep getting better and better and better and more valuable, more valuable you, which then in turn makes everybody underneath you more valuable. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's what happens. I mean, you know, realize that you know when I got here, and it still may be the same way. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest guy in the building with you know 850 plus millennials. You know, average age probably 27, <laughs> 28 years old. Um, so, but again, I know what I have, right? I have this wisdom and experience that you can only get by, by being here, you know, being in this space 30 years. I got it. So, so I respect them for what they do and they respect me for what it is that I have. Love it. So I got, uh, I got to ask, um, just so everybody knows and understands that Gary is you know, Gary is human and he has failed at things. So, and I've heard a couple, you talk about a couple of these things, but I think it's important to address failures and then the upside of that, of that failure. I think it's what allows us to be okay with thinking outside the box, trying those things and, and failing, yeah. knowing like there's an upside to that, to that failure. So give us just mm -hmm. an example. And I know a couple, but I don't want to say it. So I want you to talk about it. Give us an example of one of the ventures, you know, one or two, if it's easy for you that Gary tried to take you down that didn't end up working out, but then, you know, it turns out that it was the right move that didn't work out because X happened. Can you, you got something yeah. like that for me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Gary, uh, uh, saw something in live events, right? So he, uh, he really felt that there was value in this whole experiential and live events thing. And we, we hired a guy, made an investment in the, in the department and, uh, you know, we just couldn't monetize it. Uh, our, the clients wanted it. They just didn't want to pay more to have it, right? They kind of felt like, you know what, I'm paying you a lot of money anyway, and this is great to have as part of it. So we, we simply could not monetize what was at that time uh, Vayner Live, right? So um, so we exited and parted ways with the employees and, you know, still remain friends and uh, uh, um, keep them in our ecosystem. But Gary then resurrected it and maybe a year and a half later with the, hey, you know what? I'm going to own my own events. Forget about me selling it to clients. I'm going to have my own, right? So uh, so he, he ran Agent 2021 for right. two years down in Miami. He, he ran VoiceCon here in New York. You know, he, he knew events were the right thing. He was his own keynote. He said, why do I have to be the keynote speaker, you know, uh, at other people's events? I'll keynote my own event. You can be the event. Uh, yeah, we've been a lot from uh, from ticket sales, uh, you know, and, and book sales, and uh, some of which came on to be clients. Um, you know, so that's an example of where the initial thought of what we were trying to do failed, um, and and it was rebirthed in a different version, you know, a year or two later. Um, the Sasha Group here is is an evolution of something that. Uh, we had in our hallways called the Vayner Beta, but you know it was it was positioned 
as, you know, the B team for stuff that VaynerMedia didn't want. Okay? Now, that is different than the Sasha Group that is here now to grow companies into VaynerMedia. Right? So, so we're a farm team. Okay, our goal is to get our clients to outgrow us like Rhino and grow into VaynerMedia. Right, so that's a totally different approach, you know, uh, and something that happened years after, uh, you know, what was Vayner Beta that was dismantled. So there's two examples. Yeah, that's perfect. So actually, it's a really good segue into the next question, too, because, again, whenever we came in, um, and I want to have you share uh, how the Sasha group has come along, because it wasn't just like, you know, Gary was like, hey, we're going to create Sasha group. Boom. There was things that took place that got to the Sasha group. So, um, tactically, I think that, um, share that because I, I remember, um, I remember, you know, not quite understanding what was happening. You know, like I thought they were just different offerings or different products. I had, I did not put the pieces together. I was like, no, no, no. I did this and I tested this. And once it was successful, then it got us to this. And I was thinking, oh, these are just new things that you're adding when really the vision was much bigger. These were just the stair steps to it. So. We had, yeah. a, we had a really good conversation about taking the stair-step approach to growth. And I want to talk about that for a second. I heard you talking about this on, a, on another podcast at one point, which I thought was really interesting. So share with us how, you know, how that, you know, where the vision came from was to work with the SMBs, which is what Sasha Group does now, like you said, to grow and to, you know, hopefully push us into, into Vayner. But help me understand, like, what was the tactics of that? How did that go to get to that point? So I, I think it's important to realize when, when I met Gary five years ago, the company was 42 million and a little under 400 people. But the vision was clear. Hey, James, I want to be a $500 million integrated international independent communications company. Can you help me build that? And I was like, yeah, I can. He said, at the time, he said, I want a Richard Edelman model. Richard Edelman owns the largest uh, uh independent public relations firm as we know it it's a billion dollars right so i said i know that model gary i had breakfast with richard edelman yesterday i said you know you know him as a pr guy but uh, that company is much more than public relations you know vayner media will need to be much more than social media advertising okay so he pivoted the company to be a digital company with social at its core that allowed us to then build out a media practice, which is today 300 people, 300 million in, in billings. Uh, from there, we developed that studio concept that I talked about, right? right? So right. now we have this production studio yoked to a media company, which is yoked to a creative uh, offering. Um, uh, uh, we then made our first acquisition, right? So we never acquired anything big. We bought what was PureWow, a digital publishing company that now exists as the Gallery Media Group because it's got Pure Wow, the female magazine, 137 p.m., the male magazine, it does podcasting. Um, uh, from there, the media company split off a SaaS product called Tracer, um, you know, which, uh, 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 which is like a dashboard for measuring the transparency of media spend, okay? Um, uh, during that process, we, we developed the VaynerX holding company, which then carried all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, he came to me and he said, you ready to try something new? I said, yeah, what do you have in mind? He said, well, I'm on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. I got 6 million plus followers. When we built a company service, Fortune 500, I don't have a product for these small businesses. He said, you know, come here and look at my inbox. And it was a, a guy with a $3 million pizzeria that wanted like the wine library. How do I go from <laughs> So um, he's like, uh, you know, you want to start something new and run, run this. I want to name it after my father, Sasha, for legacy purposes. And, uh, you know, what do you need in the hallways? And, you know, I said, okay, I'll take the educational piece. I'll take the consulting mentor piece because it was something that I had already uh, worked to develop for him. Um, I, I took this Vader Bader thing that I mentioned to you earlier on, which would have kind of worked in there. Uh, and I think the biggest shock was when he, when I said, I, and I went to Chattanooga office, and he's like, well, what are you going to do with Chattanooga? And I said, well, I told you, every every time I go down there, I feel like we're selling sunglasses in Seattle, and we should be selling umbrellas. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, we're trying to sell into big businesses. Maybe two weeks 
day in Georgia Pacific. And I said, that, you know, it's a small, small incubation. It's like a little baby Silicon Valley down in Chattanooga. So I said, let me take that too. Uh, so he said, okay. And, um, and off we birthed the Sasha group. And, uh, you know, any good COO puts themselves out of a job. I was never replaced in any of those jobs I left as a COO. Okay, the job just goes away. <laughs> Gary is an operating CEO. And by the time I left, there were 12 leaders around the table, you know, many of which I, I had a hand in helping find, and chief production officers, and chief marketing officers, and chief financial officers, and, uh, you know, chief strategy officers, chief creative officers. There's a lot of chiefs around that table now. So, uh, you know, um, that position went away. And, um, you know, I came here to the Sasha group, and... Uh, uh, he's like, okay, so I think you should be the CEO. I said, no, you know what? You be the CEO. I'll, I'll be the president. Uh, and he's like, oh, that was the first. I never really had somebody not want a bigger title. But I'm like, hey, look, you, think, you know, they're emulating you, right? So I, I can, I'll run it as the president. I don't need the CEO title. I've had that. Um, so uh, that's what we're doing. And, you know, first year has been successful. Now, we got to prove that we're not a flash in the pan and that, you know, we can continue to grow this thing, uh, you know, in the years to come. But lots of successful stories already. And um, what's interesting is uh, for, for the listeners that don't know, um, I'm CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a partner with the Sasha Group. And we kind of came in right when it was transitioning because really our discussion started um, – in 2018, like Q3, Q4, 2018, and it was still a Vayner Mentors type deal at that point. And when I had dinner with Gary at November here in Phoenix, um, that's when he had told me I'd never heard anything about the Sasha Group until that dinner. And um, and he was like, "Hey," and he that's when he told me I'm going to name this the Sasha Group and some kind of my legacy company. It's named after my father, and they kind of gave me that same spiel. Well, he and I connected exceptionally, exceptionally well, like right then and in a pure Gary fashion. He's like, let's do it. Like, let's do it. But I remember the work up to that point was hard getting into that, getting to the dinner. And I'd spend a lot of time talking back, going back and forth with Mark Evans. And, um, but in the process, I was looking at the 4Ds stuff that they had put out there that anybody can participate in. And we'll hit on that at the end because I want you to share some of the things that some of our listeners could participate in. Um, but it was uh, once I started piecing together, like this 4Ds thing is literally just a stepping stone into a full blown partnership with Sasha Group, where they can now take the experiences they've had from Vayner and now work with SMBs, which is not how the Vayner model is, because the Vayner model is Fortune 500. Is that right, James? Yeah. So you know, you, you mentioned a few of those uh, offerings, which you know I uh, played a small part in helping author uh, following Gary's vision. Right? So I was in the room when he developed the 4Ds. It came uh, from an off-the-cuff comment uh, from, from the CFO about revenue. And Gary was like, why are you worried about revenue? You, know, you focus on the cost. I handle the revenue. I, I, could, I can make revenue. Watch this. And he asked D-Rock, he said, turn on Instagram Live. And uh, we waited a couple seconds. He said, how many people are on? It's a 3,500, and Gary's like, great. Hey, man, we're going to launch this new product. We're, you know, think of it like a uh, Zappos or a Disney day in the life. We're going to come in here, and you're going to learn everything about, you know, VaynerMedia and how we uh, look at the platforms. We're going to educate you digitally. Um, uh, you know, uh, first 10 that sign up will we'll have me in the uh, You know, first 10 uh, uh, classes that sign up will have me in the room. Uh, you know, we're going to price this at, uh, you know, uh, uh, $10,000 a seat. And, you know, boom, and he hangs up, and we got 350 emails. So then he's like, okay, uh, James, you got to make this into a business plan. <laughs> right, so now, you know, there, there's a curriculum needed. There is, oh, my God, um, well, most of these people are going to want to pay by credit card. We don't, we don't have that mechanism in place, so now we got to figure out how to take credit cards. Hey, I, I don't know who's going to be in the room with Gary. i got to figure out how to run background checks on, on people in there. Maybe a lunatic comes in there. I have no idea, right? So remember, it's his vision, but now it needs to be in an action plan to actually now fast forward two years later, uh, you know, over 600 alumni have run through that thing, uh, you know, in New York and L.A. and London and Chattanooga and Miami. Uh, it is a successful offering. 
But that's how it comes up. How did Vayner Mentors come up? It was a breakfast meeting with Gary and I at 8.30 in the morning. He says, James, you know what? I think I need a consulting offering. I, I you know, I, I want to, you know, like a Deloitte light, um, you know, uh, something like that, something different than McKenzie. You know, there's a lot of these small businesses that are stuck. They're just stuck. They can't get past the ceiling. And, you know, we should figure out how to, how to get them through that and, you know, leverage, you know, my experience in small business, your 30 years of operations. And, you know, and if we help them, we should take a piece of the upside. Well, that led to what is Vayner Mentors that you went through. But, you know, that's how it started. His vision. Well, you know, it, it takes a lot to go from a vision to an actual business offering. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that you then got to start. Now, I could tell you this. It was 45 days from that breakfast to the development of a business plan to uh, legal docs papered to marketing to the first three signups who were Habib and Paul Daly. Uh, you know what I mean? Like 45 days. Yeah. 45. <laughs> yeah. That's not a lot of time. And James, you are not alone in working for a CEO who decides to just launch a product and figure out the details later. So there should be a support group for us who have to yeah. <laughs> deal with that. I think um, James, just a moment ago, you empty wine apparently. Exactly, which which I believe you have in your refrigerator, Chris, the last time I checked. So you spoke a moment ago about kind of bumping into the ceiling or not getting through a barrier. I want to bring this back to your family's plumbing company. So imagine that business coming into your group today and looking for a playbook, right? It's brand, it's customers, they need new employees, they need to retain employees. What are some things that would be in that playbook for a small business that's trying to operate in 2020 where things are changing so quickly. Yeah. So, you know, so my grandfather's business was, was a two truck business. My father's business was a two truck business. And then he gave it to my brother. Um, and you know, I had seen that they were expanding beyond, uh, plumbing. Okay. And, uh, my brother wanted to do more. So, uh, so we reached an agreement where, um, uh, 25 years ago, uh, he would build my house um, for for his cost, and in exchange, he would use my house as a model to become a licensed builder. So he would call, and I would exit the home uh, and leave the home vacant, and then he would take the people through, uh, and that led to uh, a series of other homes that he built. One of which was for a guy that owned a barrel company, so he was he was a, a, quite a rich dude. And he said, you know what, this was such a pleasant experience that I want to back you. So uh, I'm going to put up the money, and uh, you will be paid as the builder, and then we'll split the proceeds from the sales of the home. Uh, and that led to track building, which then led to apartment home building in places like Hoboken, which if you know anything like that in Jersey is a big deal. Uh, you know, so that little plumbing business became much, much more, much greater um, because, you know, uh, there was a strategy behind, you know, what, what, did, what did they say? A dream, uh, a dream without a plan is nothing more than a wish, right? So, you know, uh, my brother wanted to be more. Um, uh, my father was content. You know, we never wanted for anything. It was, it was fine. You know, he always had a, a Cadillac in the driveway, and it was cool, you know. Uh, but my brother wanted to be more and do more, uh, and he did. So so um, as we advise small businesses like Rhino and others, you know, uh, and there are some that are, have been hugely successful in the mentors program and, and some that aren't. You know, and Gary was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out why this is. Why is it so hugely successful for some and, and okay for others? And he said, ah, I know why, James, because I'm giving them a recipe for success. If you leave anything out, it doesn't taste like my recipe. You can leave the salt out. You can leave the, the pepper out. It'll still be good, uh, but it will not taste as I intended it to taste. So what we find is that some of these smaller businesses, some of these mentor clients, when they are in hook, line, and sinker, following our growth plans that we lay out for them, uh, they become hugely successful businesses as the prescription is, right? As 
as Wine Library had become, uh, you know, as VaynerMedia has become, you know, as soon to be, uh, you know, his sneaker offering, Empathy Wines, his, his now uh, eSports, uh, Vayner Sports, uh, you know, um, the guy's got a proven track record for business development. Right. Yeah. Thanks for, for tying that back in, Paul. And it's just, it's it's being, I think, able to not only think big, but then act on that. And um, I do want to hit on this on this piece. I know we're getting short on time, but um, I want to end um, with two things. And the first being that we can give to our listeners is what is one thing that these guys can do based on all your experience, James, and having to deal with lots of different personality types? And you know, what is one thing that these guys can take away to self to set themselves apart. And I know that can be a hard one to answer because there's probably a lot of like cliche things that you can say. But when I think about this, it's what is it if they could just do this or this or this that they could do that would already put them ahead of the game that most won't end up doing? I think if they, the internet now has leveled the playing field. And if, if you can just take the time to understand the digital landscape and, and the reach that it has um, and recognize that, you know, it can elect presidents. <laughs> it can blow up, com- you know, take startup companies, uh, you know, to, to catastrophic uh, Tesla-type valuations far in excess of traditional, you know, Fords and General Motors of this world because of its reach and access. So take the time to understand uh, what this tool that has now leveled everyone's playing field. You don't need to spend $5 million for the Super Bowl to get your message across. Right. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, that information, it's so, so true. I mean, it's one of these things where when I started my career, I didn't try to, didn't mean to get into internet stuff. I actually st- my first sales career started into in selling phone books and I just was okay at it. Cause I kind of had a hard time believing in it, but the phone books back in the day built a lot of businesses. I believe that building a business with internet is significantly easier today than it was with the phone book. And, uh, and it's far more valuable. Like you can get a lower cost per lead for it. If, if you one find the right company or two, Take the time to really learn what to do. Or three, find a partner that can help walk you through it, like a Sasha group, like a Rhino, like a, you know, you fill in the blank. Yeah, and this is why we're so hugely successful even in, uh, uh, you know, in the case of uh, of the 4Ds and whatnot. I mean, I can't tell you, I have a lot of companies come to me want to give me hundreds of thousands of dollars. <clears throat> and I said, you know what? You need to take the time to get educated first because, I need you to understand how great I am, and you're only going to understand that if you get educated first. Yep. Um, and by the way, even if you decide not to go with me after that, you will be a better purchaser of these types of service. You'll be able to call bullshit when somebody tries to sell it to yep. you because yep. you'll just be more knowledgeable, right? It's every field that we're thinking about. The, the days of people going to two and three car lots to, quote, kick the tires are, are over. They've already done their homework from their desk. They're coming in to buy a car. You better not, you better change the way you service them because the homework is already done. They're actually there to buy. They're not there to look. And, you know, industry after industry who continues to do it the same old way, right? Think of the real estate. It's the same thing with a, with a we're going to put a sign in, on your lawn and we're going to hand you a business card with my picture <laughs> on it. You've been doing it that way for 100 years. What are you doing? Right? And this is why Gary is so successful in the marketing space because he's not a marketer. He's not an ad guy, okay? He's not tainted by 150 years of this is how we do it. He's a retailer. He knows how to sell stuff. And and as a result, he has become a better marketer. And what that does is it immediately puts him out of the box because he's not thinking like a marketer. And then he has helped to execute those things. Like what a perfect way to tie that thing all back together. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, um, and you, this is like scratching the surface of James Orsini um, tactics that we could get into. 
Um, but I couldn't uh, be more grateful, one, for our partnership, James. And I know that when you guys rolled out the Sasha group, I believe your inbox had something like four or 5,000 people in there. So you don't take on everybody. It's like a, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty precise process on who you want to bring on board and do they understand those things like you're talking about the education. And, and we're certainly grateful to be one of those. And uh, we've been doing amazing. And a lot of that has come from your leadership. So I'm grateful for that. I thank you for the time on the podcast. At some point, I'm sure probably the latter part of the year, we'll fly out to uh, to New York and we'll come and do it there with you. Um, Great. And then I think that uh, with, with most of these, with our listeners, that if they can take one good thing away from this, it's be a, if you're going to be a, a leader, lead. Lead by example. People watch what you do. What James said was, I change coffee. I change out the coffee. I change out the trash bags. I do the same things here. You have 90 some odd employees. I, you did I, the dishes today. I did the dishes because the dishwasher broke. I, I'll make the coffee. I change out the paper. I don't care. It's because I'm not hung up on I'm a CEO of a company. It's just what I want. It's what I should do. You know, it's what you should yep. do. It's just, it's, and that's how I am. And that's how I apply everything towards this business. And you guys are like-minded. So I'm grateful for our, for our relationship, for our partnership. And for you coming on here, James, I mean that, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Great. I hope, uh, I hope your audience uh, uh, got some value from it. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Paul, is there any, any closing messages you would like to share, or what's your one big nugget takeaway that you got from James on this podcast? I'm going to put you on the spot in five, four, three, two, one, go. <laughs> no, thank you, James. As always, it's a pleasure. We're very, very grateful for uh, the path you've laid out for us and your help and mentorship and the rest of your team there. I think you guys are really, really doing something special. So we wish you the very best and, and we hope to continue um, changing tires on the speeding bus as we, uh, as we continue to follow that path you've laid out for us. So thank you very much. Great. Okay, guys. Uh, wish you all the best. Uh, speak soon. All right. Take care. And audience, hopefully you guys are able to have some really good takeaways, but remember you got to do something with it. Okay. So don't talk about it. What Paul? Don't talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. <laughs> Be about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass. <laughs>